Please turn with me in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21, and that will be our text for this evening, Revelation chapter 21. And this evening, looking at Revelation chapter 21, our title is The City of Righteousness. The City of Righteousness. This morning, we looked at a different city, a city doomed to destruction. A city ruled by sin. But this evening we need to look at a different city. A city where our future lies in Jesus Christ. A city ruled by righteousness. And because it is ruled by righteousness, it is an eternal city. A glorious city. A wonderful city to look forward to. Because as we saw this morning, sin brings ruin. But righteousness brings glory. In John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, we mentioned this morning, there's a character named Christian. He sees his sin. He sees if he remains in that city of destruction, of sin, that ruin awaits him. And he must flee. He must depart from that city. There is no time to waste He cannot remain there and he must leave and he must find refuge. And so he sets off on his journey and he travels toward the heavenly city. Leaving behind one city and traveling towards an often difficult journey towards his heavenly home. This city that we travel towards as well, our heavenly city, is not like earthly cities. It is not built by mere men. This city is different. If you've read through Pilgrim's Progress, you'll see that the journey was different. It was difficult. And as we, in our own lives, we leave behind spiritual Egypt. The bondage of spiritual Egypt. We leave behind the bondage of spiritual Babylon. At the end of the return from the second exile. They're set free from Babylon. Cyrus the Great allows them to return. And so they set off on that journey from Babylon. A difficult journey. But they get there to Jerusalem because of God. Set free. Set free from bondage and difficulty and a cruel taskmaster. As we have been too. In and through Jesus Christ. We must leave behind that old city. We must remember Lot's wife. Not look back. We must look forward. We must seek refuge. Full and lasting peace. We taste peace in this world. We do. We taste joy in this world. Through the wonderful word of God. But we have not tasted it in its fullness. But we will one day. We will one day. See, friends, we've talked about difficulties as we travel on our journey towards that heavenly home. But why is there difficulty? Because the world, the flesh, and the devil have declared war on you. You've turned your back on the world. You've turned your back on sin. You may have even been accused by old friends of yours of being a traitor of sorts. 
The world does not like when people turn its back on its values and its ways. But we must look forward, facing the difficulties, for a much, much better future. We have blessings here, but a better city awaits in us. See, dear friends, while we've seen this morning sin, we've seen its horrors, we've seen its violence, we've seen its cruelty. You've probably even seen it in your own experience. But we must see more than that. I pray this evening that we will see the glory to come. The beauty of the city to come. Yes, we fled from one place, but we're looking forward to another. We're looking forward to a greater city. A city with better promises. With greater glory. That never changes. And it is wonderful forever and ever. It is the city of righteousness. So the first point that we're going to look at here this evening as we look at Revelation 21. Looking at the city of righteousness. Our heavenly home to come. The first point is the city's newness. The city's newness. Verses 1 and verse 2. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea. And I, and I John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. We look forward to that. We look forward not to an earthly Jerusalem. A new Jerusalem that cometh down out of heaven. The old city Jerusalem. We'll see it in the Old Testament. Is often a picture of the church. The Lord building up Jerusalem. And we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. The Lord's people. Now, what happens to the new things in our own world? Perhaps you've got a new car. Does it stay new for very long? It looks shiny for a while, gets a little chip, and it looks old very, very quickly. The things in this world that are new, shiny, and nice, you might have got a new house. It looks really shiny, and all of a sudden, that has to be repaired, that has to be repaired. The, the things in this world that are new for a short period of time, they change. They fade. And eventually, they wear away. This happens to all things in this world. The city of destruction is of this world. It's given to ruin. It's not given to the newness described in our text here of the new Jerusalem. It will return to dust. If you leave a building without maintaining it, without Constantly maybe replastering the walls, repainting, doing all sorts of things. It will eventually turn to dust and ashes and ruin. But there is a greater heavenly city here in our text. And it awaits those who have faith in Jesus Christ. How do you know that this is your home? Do you see the value, the beauty... Of Christ. The beauty of the city is described in verse 2. It talks about come down from God out of heaven. Prepared as a bride. She is a city but she is also a bride. Beautiful. 
radiant, shining, with a beautiful and with a beauty and splendor that will never, ever fade. And this newness of the new Jerusalem, this newness of the new heaven and the new earth, will never, ever go away. You can almost think of maybe the word fresh. We we don't know what that's like. In our world, think of the favorite thing you've ever done. Your your happiest moment on this earth. Take that thing, you do it again. It will never be the same the second time. Sometimes your enjoyment will grow. Sometimes it will fade. But it's changing. It fades. Pick your favorite food. Your enjoyment of that favorite food, if you add it every day, even just once a day, you get pretty bored of it pretty quickly. Three times a day. Your enjoyment of it. But in this city, you're with God, who is forever new, forever fresh. His mercies are new every day. Never diminishes our enjoyment of God. And it's... To enjoy him forever. Question one of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. To enjoy him forever is why we've been made. To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And this enjoyment of him, it doesn't go up and down like our enjoyment in the world. It doesn't go up and down like our favorite (coughs) memories in this world. Whatever your favorite memories, happy memories from your child, this will eclipse all of them. And it won't fade. It won't diminish. We've never had that in this world. Never had that. In verse 3 it says this. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying. Behold the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them. And be their God. One of the great and wonderful blessings of public worship. We are here this evening. We're worshiping God in public. Anyone who wants to come can come. It is publicly gathering to praise our God. There is a special way that God meets with us here. That we will not get at home alone. Even family worship, as as important as family worship is, there is something special about the public worship of God. There's something wonderful with the tabernacle. Think of the dwelling of God being among his people. That's far more of a greater blessing than we realize. It says in Psalm 87, verse 2. In Psalm 87 and verse Two. says this the Lord loveth the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob see what the psalmist writes here a psalm or song for the sons of Korah the Lord loveth the gates of Zion the public worship that, that special dwelling of God than all the dwellings, all the dwellings, as much as God loves these things, of Jacob. We must not forget the great and wonderful privilege that it is to gather 
in the name of Christ in public to worship our God. We are in today the Holy of Holies. We have entered in. We have that great privilege that they would have dreamt about in the Old Testament. We have that great and wonderful privilege. Now, at the same time, our God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. And our God is not limited in blessing those perhaps who cannot come to church. Probably probably those who are housebound. But there is something special. As God tabernacles with his people, he dwells in our midst. And he would bless his people. Part of the Solemn League and Covenant in 1643. This was a covenant signed by these two islands. England, Scotland and Ireland together. And one of the things they prayed for. Is that God would be pleased to dwell amongst them. In their midst. And bless them. As they professed to publicly repent and turn to the Lord. This is what we seek for, for the blessing of God, for God to tabernacle, to dwell in our midst so that we will experience that newness. Now we'll experience that newness in the future. We haven't yet got there. Yes, love public worship, but long for more. There's more to come. That's the amazing thing. If you love public worship, if you love God, there's far better to come. An enjoyment that never fades. It says in verse 6, And he said unto me, It is done, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. And this morning we talked about natural desires. And if you don't drink water, what happens? You get thirsty. And it's far stronger craving than hunger even. You can last longer without food than you can without drink. And who satisfies our thirst and our soul? God. Only God can do that. With an enjoyment. With a refreshment. Have you ever had a drink of water after you haven't had a drink of water for a long time? That enjoyment, that refreshment will go on forever and ever. And do we look forward to that? I know, friends, you think, I can't wrap my minds around it. You can't. And that's what's so wonderful about it. We can't even wrap our minds around that God would provide this for us as sinners. But it is what awaits us in the new Jerusalem. God maintains the enjoyment of the beauty of eternity. Our second point that we're going to look at here, so the city's newness. Now we're going to look at the city's source of beauty. Where does this beauty come from? In verse 4 it says this. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death. Neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. And also verse 7. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God. And he shall be my son. The source of beauty. The source of beauty is what the city is ruled by. Righteousness. And this is a righteousness God has provided. God has provided. Why is there no more death as it says here in verse 4? Why did death come in in the first place? Sin. Sin comes into the world and brings death, suffering and misery. But when righteousness reigns, 
Why is there any suffering? There isn't any suffering. Sometimes we can become frustrated in this world and think, why is this happening to me? You may be going through a difficult time at the moment. And you may be getting tired, exhausted, wondering why you get frustrated. Sometimes we may think we're getting frustrated with circumstances. Friends, we're getting frustrated with God who is in control of the circumstances. We all do this. We live in a fallen world. God knows the good, holy, and righteous reasons you are suffering today. And though there is ugliness of sin that you're facing, maybe in your workplace, maybe in your family, whatever the case may be, beauty awaits in the new Jerusalem. A beautiful city whose righteousness, it's because we will see the city as beautiful if we think righteousness is beautiful. You see, the world thinks righteousness is boring. If you described righteousness, if you described this to an unconverted person, they would think, this sounds horrible. They, yeah, they wouldn't, they'd like the part where there's no more death. But the fact that righteousness will reign there, that's why there's no more death, sounds absolutely horrid to the unconverted heart. It is beautiful because of the righteousness of of God. Let's look at 2 Peter chapter 3. In 2 Peter and chapter 3 and verse 13. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherein dwelleth righteousness. That's what we're looking forward to. That's what we're looking forward to. In verse 10 of our text, again, Revelation 21. And he carried me away in the spirit of a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. And we've seen already, it's prepared as a bride. She's adorned. She's glorious. She's, she's beautiful. She's radiant. And the picture is here of something that you cannot take your eyes off of. Something that is robed. In beauty. Where does that come from? She has the perfect righteousness of Christ. She is covered. Verse 11. Having the glory of God and her light. Was likened to a stone most precious. Even like a jasper stone. Clear as crystal. And jasper stone is precious stone. Of various colors. John writing under the inspiration of God. Showing us a picture of the future. But our, the things in this world even struggle. Because they're not able to really fully capture. The eye hath not seen nor the ear heard. The things that God has prepared for them. It sounds wonderful. It sounds glorious. But it's still better than our greatest thought of it. What we're looking forward to. This beauty comes from God. Now as we're talking about the beauty of the city. And the source of the beauty of the city. We must also point out as we did this morning. With the city of sin. Sinners are kept out. The reason the city is so beautiful. Is because sin and sinners are kept out. Verse 8 it says this. But the fearful. 
and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And we remember this morning, fire and brimstone poured upon Sodom, the city of sin. But the fearful, it's interesting, isn't it? Fearful. The fearful. There is a confidence and a a courage that the Lord gives his people. Sinners, unbelievers, are kept out. And it is why it is such a wonderful privilege. Because, friends, we are, in ourselves, we are that list. But we overcome in Jesus Christ. Verse 7, he that overcometh shall inherit all things. Now, we don't overcome in ourselves. We trust, we, by faith, we overcome in Jesus Christ. But it's Jesus who has done the work for us. Completely for us. He that overcometh shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son. This is the faith that overcometh the world. He lived the perfect life. He was the second Adam. Adam failed. But the second Adam, Christ, succeeded. And in him and through him, death has been destroyed. He died the death we deserve. He took what we deserve. He took our death as true man. He suffered in our place. He suffered. But he also, as true God, because not that God could suffer, he could not. But he had infinite value. Christ suffered In our place. He took our death. He took the death of countless millions. If you could go to a beach. And count all the grains of sand. That's how many people. It's a countless number. That he. The Lord Jesus Christ has taken and saved. And he provides this beauty. For the bride. See. Friends, the danger we have with the Christian faith is, do you see all those fun things that the world is doing? Don't do those anymore. That's the danger. We, we present a gospel like that. Come over here, make sure you don't go to hell. We can't think about the Christian religion like this. We must think about, look at the horrible things that they are doing. Because it's against God. And look at the wonderful things we, through Jesus Christ, have to look forward to. It's all about what we value. It's all about what we love. It's all about what we are seeking. And it's all about what we see as beautiful. Our third point. The city's life. The city's life. It says in, verses, in verse 5 and verse 6. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I will make all things new. And he said unto me, Write for the words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega. And he says, the beginning and the end, I will give unto him that is a thirst of the the fountain of the water of life freely. There is life here. There is death removed in Christ Jesus. 
And though we will have suffering in our journey toward our heavenly home. There's difficulty. This is what we have to look forward to. Life. Liberty. Peace. There's much discussion in the media about the Israel-Palestine conflict. And I've heard the question over and over again. How can this be solved? There's a sense in which it can't be. Not by the means that they've been looking at. Not by negotiation. You see, the world can't understand why there's war all around us. Why there's death. Why there's suffering. Why life seems to have such a tragic end in parts of the world. Yes, we can have moments of peace. Temporary, short-lived peace. But never lasting peace. Not until Jesus Christ returns. It won't happen. The Prince of Peace returns. Then there will be perfect peace. But the source of the destruction and the war and the bloodshed will be removed. It will be. See friends, there's so many talks of peace process and all these kind of things. But they only buy temporary short lived peace. It's never really true peace. Yes, we should pray for conflicts and resolutions and all these things. But realize this, the world has been at war for 6,000 years. It doesn't know this peace that is going to come in and through Jesus Christ. Sin is the cause of the conflicts we see all around us. Sin is the cause of the things when we turn on our, our news, when they look at the newspapers and we look at the news and we, we say, why is this happening? The answer is sin. And in a world to come when there is no more sin, there will be life, lasting, true. There's many people who dream of utopias, isn't there? Every, every couple of years, they keep coming back. It doesn't matter how many times they've been shown to be disastrous in the past. Communism or whatever other uh, ideologies are out there. Listen to the experts and everything will be fine. But at the end of the day, no one, no mere human being, no genius, no matter how smart, can provide the perfect, lasting life. The, the things that we, we kind of want, but we don't want it through Jesus Christ. We don't want it through righteousness. But it's here. And it's glorious. And all the things that man dreams of. It's there. But the, why, why, don't men, why don't men look for it? Because they will not have this man, the Lord Jesus Christ, to reign over them. They won't. And until they bow the knee to Christ and look to Jesus, until you do. You cannot have this life. Because he is the great physician. He is the great healer and all sinners who come to him will be healed. Spiritually in this world and there's the redemption of the body to come. The resurrection of the body that will enjoy this life and this peace. A fourth point is this, the city's structure. The city's structure. If you ever go and visit cities in different places... Cities have different structures and different things that mark them out. And you might have walls around that city. 
things that maybe you'll take pictures of with your camera and things that are impressive and wonderful. Well, this city is no different. This city has great, high, and impenetrable walls. It says in verses 12 and 13, and had a wall great and high and had 12 gates and at the gates 12 angels and names written thereon which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel verse 13 on the east three gates and on the north three gates and on the south three gates and on the west three gates older cities nearly always had these big walls if you ever go to historic cities there was always these walls all around the city we don't really see that as much anymore but a city without walls was devastating if you look at Nehemiah chapter 1 Nehemiah wants to know what is happening with Jerusalem the walls are broken down he's devastated city without walls in the ancient world was no city at all it was an embarrassment it was something to lament. It was, a, it was a city ripe for the taking. It was defenseless. But not this city. This wonderful city of God. The one we look forward to. To come. Has these. Had a wall great and high. Twelve gates. Impressive. And what do walls do? They keep out the enemies of God. They keep out the wolves. That will devour the sheep. This is an impressive city. This is more impressive than any city you will ever visit. When you go on holidays or anything else. And you'll tell everybody about. This is the most impressive city. And it is yet. It is in the future. And the people who enter this city. They're not just from one area. There's different gates. There's on the east three gates. On the south as well three gates. On the west three gates. All these different gates and different parts. See friends. From the nations that will come to worship God. They won't just come from one area. They won't just come from one particular street. They won't just come from one particular background. They'll come from all over. And they will. They won't just come from Northern Ireland. They'll come from the Republic of Ireland. They'll come from England, Scotland, Wales. They'll come from mainland Europe and France, Spain, Italy. All over Africa, Asia, Australia, South America. There are people from all over the world. Every tribe, every tongue, every background you can imagine. Will come and worship the Lord. And be part of this great city. East, north, west. All over the world. And with that knowledge of who is going to be there, we see that you don't know the parts of the book of Revelation. Who do you witness to? I know we feel more comfortable witnessing to some people than others, don't we? I know some of the most godly people I've ever met struggle around certain people. Certain people who look maybe tough in the streets and share the gospel with all sorts of people. Yes, the Lord will give you certain giftings to reach out to particular groups. I will grant you that. And you, your way of reaching out to somebody is not going to be completely identical to somebody else. But take the opportunities that God has given you. you this person you may see and have an opportunity with may have a completely different background and outlook in life. 
And what you say to them can be used to bring them to know the Lord. And that they too would be with you in paradise. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Could you imagine witnessing to someone. You had five minutes at the train station. You share the gospel with them. You never see them. But you see them in glory. You would no idea they came to know the Lord. And you rejoice with them. They have left behind their sin. They have departed from the city of destruction. And then they are in this wonderful city too. You see friends. This is a glorious city. This is open to all who will trust in the truth. The way and the life. He is the door by which we enter in. And it is based. This wonderful city. The structure of this city. It doesn't just have impressive walls. It also has a very impressive foundation. Verse 19. And the foundations of the wall of the city are garnished with all manner of precious stones. I list out these really precious stones there in verse 19, but also verse 14, it speaks of these foundations. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and in them the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The teachings of the apostles. You see, it's not on the foundation of Peter or Paul, it's upon their teachings. The teachings handed down, the teachings we find in the Holy Scripture. And these are the truth, the foundation upon which this wonderful city is erected. The word of the living God, the teaching of the living God. It is glorious, it is wonderful to behold. Fifthly, number five, we're going to look at the city's temple. The city's temple. Where do you think there is more enjoyment? In the city of sin. Blindly looking for its lust. We saw this morning in in Sodom. The blindness. And they're, they're grappling for the door. Their lusts. They seek after. Vainly. Or do we find more satisfaction here? Yes we see the fountain of the water of life. But we also see the temple. The temple and all the beauty that surrounds it. We may miss the significance of this. Because in in Old Testament Israel. In Judah. Especially after the exile. Of Babylon and other times. Solomon's temple. They all wanted to return to Solomon's temple. The beauty of Solomon's temple. During the days of Haggai. And Zechariah. There was much need of encouragement. To turn their eyes. Not to what they see with their physical eyes. But what would have come in the future. This Jerusalem is far more impressive. Than Jerusalem. Under Solomon's Rain. Zechariah spoke of a better temple to come. The end of Ezekiel spoke of a better temple to come. They spoke of this tabernacle of God where God would dwell with his people. And this, t- this temple shines greater than the sun. It says in verse number says in verse number 22. And I saw no temple therein. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. Look at verse 23. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it. 
and the Lamb is the light thereof. Have you ever, I wonder if the boys and girls, and I don't recommend boys and girls that you do this, have you ever stared at the sun? Shouldn't, should you? It would hurt your eyes. It's too bright, isn't it? You can't look at it. It's too bright. You have to look away. Don't stare at the sun. But that's the brightness that is being spoken about here. The Lord dwelling. The glory of the Lord in as that temple of the city. It says, and the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon. For the glory of the Lord did lighten it. Can you think of that shining glory? No need of the sun, no need of the moon to shine in it for the glory of the Lord did lighten it. And the the lamb is the light thereof. That light, that shining light, never diminishing. Jerusalem of old, when it lost the temple, you see in the book of Lamentations, there's devastation. There's weeping. It's judgment. The city needs its temple. In one sense, there is no temple. This text says, I saw no temple therein. But there is a temple in another sense. The Lord is the temple. See what happened in the temple. The temple wasn't just there for its own sake. It was a place where God was in a special way. God is omnipresent. But he's there in a special way at the temple. And in his special dwelling in the city of God. There's no need for any other light. He is that light. He is that glory. So it's far more impressive. It's it's far more impressive than anything seen before. And it won't be just one nation. Coming to worship. Look at it says in verse 24. And the nations of them which are saved. Shall walk in the light of it. That light. And the kings of the earth. Do bring their glory and honor. Into it. That light. That shining light. In which there is no darkness. At all. That is the light that guides the nations. Not just one nation. But all. The nations, the whole world will worship God. None none who is on this earth will not want. All will want to come and worship God. Why? Because of the radiance, the splendor, the glory. You won't have to say, come on, you've got to come to church. You know those people you probably have to encourage to come to church and Everyone will want to come to church. Everyone will come to want to come to worship. It's all they'll want to do. Because of the joy that they find in the presence of the Lord. It's far greater than anything we've experienced in this world. Our final point, number six, is the city's people. Is the city's people. As we said earlier, sinners are kept out. We pointed that out in verse eight. Sinners are kept out. But the city has people. Verse 27, why are we one day by faith in Jesus Christ awaiting this city? Why are we going there? Why will we arrive there? 
We have left spiritual Babylon. We travel along in a very difficult and dangerous road. But we will arrive at our final destination in Jerusalem. Why? Because of God. And specifically what it talks about in this verse, in verse 27. And there shall in no wise enter into anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie. Here's the answer. But they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Those people. And those people alone. Our God's eternal decree from all eternity. God does not react to us. He is sovereign. He is in control of everything. That is the God we worship and serve. If it had anything to do with us. It would be brought to ruin. But it is not because it is based upon God's eternal election. His choice of his people before the foundation of the world. The Lamb's book of life. I say this because it is not because you have made the right decision. At whatever age you come to know the Lord. It is not because you are in any way better than anyone else. That has not come to trust the Lord. The difference between your eternal destiny. Heaven and hell. Is God himself. Not you. I said, well, I, I've trusted in Jesus because the Lord took pity upon you. If you have trusted in Jesus, your eyes are open. The only reason your eyes are open is the Lord took pity on you. But, but I believed. Yes, you believed. Why did you believe? Why are all those people out there in the world? Why are all those people at pride parades and other things? Why are we not out there with them? Because the Lord took pity upon us. Because we've been written in the Lamb's book of life. Do we deserve it? No. No. And it should make us ever more grateful. That eternal destiny. It talks about it in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And verses 3 to 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Verse 5, having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, According to the good pleasure of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace. Wherein he hath made us accepted. In the beloved. Verse 4 just once again. According as he hath chosen us. In him. Before the foundation of the world. Before there was ever a world. That is the reason. That there's any population at all in the city of God. It's why there's anybody there. It's why there's anyone either. The grace of God. That electing love from all eternity. Before Adam was formed. Before Eve was formed. Before the sun was formed. Before the stars, the moon was formed. This was decreed of God. You say, I don't understand this. Friends, neither do I. 
He is God and we have to praise him for it. We don't praise a God we completely wrap our minds around. If we did, he would be the idol formed in our minds. He's the God we are unable to express in, in many ways the fullness of his greatness, whom we will enjoy forever and ever. And we are shown glimpses of his glory here. But because of this, because of him, we will one day see the fullness of it. Why was I chosen? Why is it me? <coughs> Praise him for it. Thank him for it. He is wise. He is good. He is gracious. And so with all that being said. What should be our attitude to the future? I know we can look at the news and all these things. and We could be gloomy, can't we? Oh, this is happening and this is going bad. And what is our future? If you've got faith in Jesus Christ, your future is good. Yes, we may look outside and we may not see many examples of it in the world. But we must not go by sight, but by faith. In the promises of Almighty God. We as believers in Jesus Christ. We should be excited about the future. We should be in many ways excited about breathing our last breath. It's not that we seek for death. It's not that we're excited about the process of dying. But we're looking forward to the part that comes after it. Because of what Jesus has done. And not just that. Not just that part in heaven. When our bodies have been in the grave and they're resurrected, we have more to look forward to. And how long is it going to last for? 10 years, 100 years, 10,000 years. There's no time. There's no change. So, friends, tell me. Answer in your heart of hearts. Which world should you be invested in? Which world should you be giving all your time to think about? Should you be investing in this world? That one day you'll leave all it behind. Or investing in the world to come. Saying with men like Jonathan Edwards. Stamp eternity on my eyeballs. Amen.